Pass, 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 pass. Pass the poutine. This is the poutine. Fries, cheese curds, and chicken gravy. This is the poutine. Hi, everyone. It's your host, Nina, from Pass the Poutine Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, this is someone I met during my travels abroad in Korea when I was on a workaway at a strawberry farm. Now she has her own traveling blog, and I'm so excited to talk to her about traveling because we really vibe on this kind of level. Please welcome Sandy to my podcast. Hey, Sandy, what's up? Nina, not much. I'm very, very happy to be here. <laughs> Sorry, my I call everyone special and I always say I don't know. I'm still like experimenting with all my different like I don't know, personality TV personality hosts. Like uh did you grow up watching like I don't know, like Jimmy Fallon or like any oh late my night God, shows? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes I like channel my inner um like talk show host and I experiment. I love but, it. But yeah, oh my god, thank you so much for being it. <laughs> thank you for being here today. Oh, I hear the Jimmy Fallon in you. You know, now. we're like <laughs> Oh my, oh my God. No, I shouldn't have said it. Um, but uh, I know we're three hours uh, apart. Where are you currently? So I'm just outside of Philly. I'm um, yeah, so I'm in a little town called Kennett Square, which is the mushroom capital of the world, in case anyone... No way. What? <laughs> it, of the world? Of the world. Actually? Yes, actually. What? What kind of mushrooms are you guys growing over there? Oh, you know. No, um, all of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. You know what? That's so random. Like, I actually just recently got into mushrooms. Um, like, <laughs> I'm not talking about magic mushrooms or like, am I? I don't know. Yes, we but, we're just talking normal uh, mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, we're talking like oyster like, mushrooms. Yes, like shiitake. Yeah. Yeah, like white button. You know, um but my brother just bought me this uh king oyster oh. mushroom spawn set. Yeah. And I like m- the mushrooms are growing on the wall right now. <laughs> so it's I didn't know you guys were the the mushroom capital. And I actually met this Vietnamese man who grows mushrooms in like a farm just like 20 kilometers away from me so yeah I, I don't know that's so random that you're from that mushroom did, did you grow up really like eating mushrooms no and actually I, I've only lived or my um, we've lived out here for the last like 13 years or whatever this is probably the longest mm-hmm. I've actually lived here it's, this is like the home where um, I would come just for like holidays and stuff to see my family and so I've never actually I didn't grow up here um, but yeah, so Kennett Square, I guess, produces about two thirds of the world's something like that. Something it's like a crazy number of the world's like mushroom. What? Yeah, <laughs> production. So yeah, it's. I would not think like Philadelphia would be. Yeah, and, and, the mushroom capital of the world, and it's like the smallest little town, and it's. Um, but you know. It's, Every year we have a mushroom festival and people come and then there's like every restaurant. Do they dress like mushrooms? Yeah. Not that I remember, <laughs> but I, you know, it's like everything's made out of mu- Like you go through the festival and it's like, oh my God. You know, like mushroom stools, you know, wooden stools and everything's made out of, I don't know, everything's like a mushroom something. And, and every single restaurant has like their signature mushroom soup and I don't know. Mushroom. I'm kind of obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> well, come on down anytime. <laughs> yeah, I might have to come visit you just to go to that mushroom festival. and Absolutely. Like, see what this... <laughs> That's so funny. 
<laughs> so you were saying like um Kenneth Square is where you've lived like the longest in your life is that correct where where have you lived before yeah so uh, my journey <laughs> begins <laughs> um <laughs> As a little seed, no, I, I was born in Japan, um, just outside of Tokyo, um, and my father's mm-hmm. Japanese and my mom's Korean. So I then, um, kind of my younger years, you know, until I was like three, I lived in Korea, and then we moved to the United States, and I grew up in California um, all throughout up until um, I moved to Boston when I went to college. I went to Boston University, and so then I lived in Boston for quite a while and finished school, got my first job, worked at a travel company, kind of an educational travel company, um, very corporate and all of that. And then, um, and through that company, I got an opportunity to move to London and I lived there for five years. Uh, and then that was, um, about, I guess about two years ago when I, I left that job and then uh, made the mistake of moving back to the U.S. and <laughs> dang, um, you've lived a lot. Yeah, it's been interesting that every time I tell the story, people are like, "Wow, you're like going like across the globe, you know, from one point yeah, to the other." So, a real globe trotter. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I don't know what's next, but you know, I don't know where to go from a mushroom capital of the world, but. I will. You might not be able to leave. I know. It's I'll, pretty. I'll it's pretty dope. Figure yeah, it out. Not gonna lie. <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that you're half Japanese and half Korean. I was wondering, like, did you have any sort of identity issues growing up? Because, like, from like an outside point of view, if someone looks at you, they just think like, oh, she's just Eastern Asian. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, I don't know if you felt like any any sort of um conflict or whatever being like mixed or if you consider yourself mixed or you consider yourself more korean or something like that you know it's so interesting that you say that because i think i've come to um understand it how it impacted me i I think as a kid like i really didn't realize it at all like i Mm -hmm. a lot of it's because i was an actual like very oblivious as a kid to everything so (laughs) (laughs) you were a normal child yeah Yeah, and I grew up in like a very suburban white part of California I grew up in the Silicon Valley Mm. right so um okay I grew up with a lot of like Asian kids like immigrated in or you know or integrated into American society already you know and and so I think I really never I don't know for better or for worse. It never impacted me as a kid, but then I think now looking back and as an adult, I do see how there was a lot of things that I maybe had buried or never really understood or even tried to understand and it impacts me as an adult, right? And now I really understand the dif- like the history between Korea and Japan. <laughs> It's a big, it's a big history. It's a big, big history. <laughs> yeah, right? it's a lot. There's a lot yeah. there. And so I, yeah, I think I'm more reflective on it now and see how it impacts me. And I think when I traveled to Asia most recently, when I had met you and being able to go mm-hmm. um, and live as an adult in Korea and have that experience and just like going throughout different parts of Asia and really understanding it. I think that also helped me to like reconcile a lot of 
um, things that I never dealt with as a kid or as a youth. And, you know, cause we, I mean, I, I, I did grow up very Asian though. Right. So even though I grew up in like sunny Cali and, um, in a very white neighborhood, I mean, I grew up with a very Korean family. I grew up with my grandmother and my aunts and my mom and everybody spoke Korean. I was the only person for a long time that spoke English, right. Fluently. Yeah. For the longest time, I just didn't know, um, I didn't really understand or appreciate what it was, what it meant to be Asian, right? And so mm. I think as I get older, I just come to appreciate my heritage a little bit more. So like, I I noticed you, you say Asian, but you don't really say like Korean or Japanese. Because I know with like a lot of Asians, there's so much racism within like Asians, mm. you know what I mean? Like, like Chinese people don't like Vietnamese people and Vietnamese people don't like, I don't know, yeah. people, I don't even know. Right? So, Shit. so it's yeah. interesting that you, you, yeah. And, and especially with Co- Koreans and Japanese people, there's like a huge history there. And um, but but it seems like it sounds like to me you don't really identify with like very Korean or very Japanese or or do you? I don't know. I think if I had to pick one, I am probably more Korean in the identity sense. I grew up with all of my Korean side of the family and, you know, eating Korean food and listening to the language. And and for mm-hmm. me, that is it's more comfortable. Right. But yeah, right. I think. You know, one of the big kind of mind hurdles I had before going to Asia, I, I had always, um, as a as a kid, we would go to Japan every summer until I was like sixteen, right? And so, um, I I had I had experienced Japan, but I think, you know, I can't ever validate whether someone said like, "Don't say that you're Korean," but I think I always just would put on a front that I was implicitly Japanese right so Mm, when I'm in Japan I'm Japanese and if I'm in Korea then I'm Korean you're Korean and so I think for me what's always been difficult about being mixed and then on top of that immigrating and growing up in America is just always not having a defined identity Right. Yes. So yes. if I'm an American, I'm in the US and someone says, where are you from? And I say, California, it's the same. It's the same old thing that everyone gets. Right. But it's the you no, know, where are you really from? And and that whole, <laughs> you know, spiral down the oh, like specifically I'm from a town called Mountain View or whatever, you know, they're like, <laughs> no, but like, where are your parents from? What's your <laughs> where are you from from? Yeah. Like, what's your heritage, you know, or whatever. Right. It's like. Oh, and then, you know, for me, it's like I take a deep (laughs) breath, right? Because then I have to like, wait, do I just tell them one? Do I tell them both? Do I like... Right. uh, Because as a mixed person, like you... Because like for me, when someone pulls the where you from from card, I'm like, oh, this person wants to hear the Vietnam right? But for you, you were like, yeah, exactly. You go through this like, do I say Korean? Do I say Japanese? Do I say both? Like, it's a long story. Like... Yeah, because it's oh always God. a long story, right? And then it's always like, I'll mm-hmm. if I do, I know. I'm like, if I say I'm half Japanese, half Korean, then I'll get the, wow, that's an interesting mix. Or like, mm-hmm. what a, you know, that's a weird history. And you're like, oh, here we go, you know? <laughs> and so, exactly. you know, I pick my battles on what I would say. and And so I think I always struggled with, you know, 
um, I've had these conversations with other friends who I say I've always had this like identity envy, right? Where they could just say, Mm -hmm. I'm Greek. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you're Greek. That's awesome. Like end of conversation. There's no like continuation of like, explain, tell me more about you know, or, mm-hmm. or like I'm Italian. It's it seems like every time for me the identity comes up, it's always so controversial or um, yeah, or no explanation's good enough, right? It has to be like this five minute explanation of who mm. I am and justifying it. So it was always right. So it was it's like the question I hated the most, right? Like I would just cringe at the thought of like when you know it's coming and you're like damn it it's coming um (laughs) and so it was so different for me this time and I thought when I went to Asia I had this thought like what's it going to be like when I go to Korea like will people will Koreans think I'm Korean you know and um Mm. and how will that be accepted do I tell them that I'm half Japanese like what how will I be accepted back into that society? And so that was, you know, a big reason for me to go there too and experience it. It was really nerve wracking, I think. And, um, but also very comforting because when I was there and then like, you know, um, shopkeepers and taxi drivers, like people just every day just didn't even question it. They just thought I was Korean and I, it made me feel Mm -hmm. so, at home and normal (laughs) yeah in so many ways I wish I had written a book like just like notating some of these conversations that I've had with people and I know I understand people do it for their like earnestly like right right for their own reasons but it's always like you know you always get this response like oh you're Korean oh my god I love Korean food (laughs) you know like yes I love kimchi kimchi (laughs) and you're like oh my god you don't know how many times I have to have this stupid conversation. <laughs> you know, Asian people did it to white people. Like, do you ever see us being like, oh, you're American. Oh, my God. Hot dogs. I love your or hot dogs. like, you're dogs. German. Yeah. I love bratwurst. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. No, no, totally. It's, um, yeah, I'm kind of like, when I was younger, I used to feel really angry when people would be like, oh you're you're this and that and now that I'm getting old or maybe it's because like my patience is gone and I'm so tired when people say that I'm just kind of like I don't even know if it's offensive anymore or if I've chosen to believe it's not offensive just so I'm like less tired you know what I mean yeah (laughs) like yeah just like uh totally I think you know one of the reasons why people always ask that question whether it's where are you from or a very similar thing especially in western culture is um mm. what do you do right so when you meet someone new it's mm. there's a lot of like you know and i've just come to learn and realize that that's just egotistically it, but subconsciously people just sizing each other up right like so how, yes. how do they relate 100%. with another person so it's funny because when mm-hmm. when you're in korean i don't know if you noticed this you know when you were there but like mm-hmm. it's a very asian and i think especially in korean culture i can speak to specifically is to say like immediately ask, like how old are you 
right? At, oh, yeah. Oh, I hated that question so much. But in Korean culture, I know it's like the most offensive thing like as yeah. that you're taught from Western culture. But in Korean culture, Stop. because everything, how you speak and how you relate to someone is based on your age your age and that hierarchy yeah. right so you have to exactly know you have to know <laughs> and there's no point to like be like so in a roundabout sort of way so it's always like what right. year were you born like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then- exactly you can't be like I'm, I'm i'm 30 you have to be like i'm like born in this year at this month and blah 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 yeah because you know the whole calendar korean calendar is all weird of your mm-hmm. birthday so you could literally be like mm-hmm. your korean age is like anywhere from two years one year to two years above like what your western age would be Um, yeah exactly yeah so you know in that sense it's like um you know it's just people trying to gauge to see how they interact with you so i've come to under accept it a little bit more with the story doesn't make my telling of the story any easier because i still just don't know what to tell people sometimes but Mm -hmm. um so i just paste that on my like you say my patience level or like how much I really feel like explaining further um right but I think that um after I think last year when I traveled through Asia for you know well over six months it was the longest I'd actually ever spent in Asia I've traveled a lot but I actually traveled the most like in Europe and throughout the US, right? Like in very Western countries. So that's probably um, to spend the most extensive time, continuous extensive time in (laughs) Asia. And so Mm. for me, then it also helped to get me perspective, right? Because, you know, I was always mad at like, white people or Western people for asking that question. Mm -hmm. But then all throughout Asia, I was asked the same exact question. And I was like, Oh, so it's just me, (laughs) you know, and it was just this curiosity. No, but it, no, but it's annoying. No, but like, I I know what you mean because like, yes, same experience, but my thing is just like, but even when you're in Asia, right. And you're just like, well, I'm American. Aren't they like, no, 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 no. You're not American. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm just like, God, give me a freaking break. You know what I mean? I know it would be like yeah. no I'd say I'm American and they're like but you don't look American right yeah but so then I'd be but like no blue eyes no yellow hair yeah and then I'd be like oh really I don't I'm like oh it must be because um but what I found mm-hmm. it you know I I don't know if this makes any sense but after I left Korea I went to Mongolia um awesome <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear about Mongolia. <laughs> and I chose Mongolia because it's kind of funny. It, it happened like very right before I left or a few months before I decided my itinerary. And um, I was just reminded, like we always say on my grandmother's side, who's my Korean grandmother's side, that, you know, um, she was from the very north of Korea when it was one Korea. And we'd always joke like oh. she has like Mongolian blood. Like our family comes from like right. warriors, like Mongolian blood. And so I was just like, I want to go to Mongolia and see what this is all about. Mm. Right. And <laughs> let me investigate. This. Yeah. It's like my own ancestry DNA kind of research. <laughs> um, the hardest, the hardest ancestry DNA. Yeah. I'm like, test. I'm like, why would I even take that? But so I went to Mongolia and it was so weird actually 
because I didn't have any expectations. But when I went there, um, so Mongolians look utter, like so much like Koreans, depending on where in Mongolia you are, there is a part yes, of agreed. that are so much like Koreans and they mm-hmm. so much were confused by me, right? They like people, I didn't get treated special because they actually thought I was Mongolian, I think. And so they, I love um, it. and I was, I spent um, a month there doing a work away and in the small town, in the small village and people, I mean, even my host mom would just be like, sometimes confuse me and think that like I was Mongolian, right? So, so people would genuinely ask. And then the crazy thing Mm -hmm. is after that, I went to Nepal, right? I went to Nepal and I, and most Nepalese, I mean, they look very much more akin to Indian Asian right and so darker skin South Asian and all of that but I went to Nepal and I show up and the um, these uh, people that were helping me out my hosts were like her husband thought I was Nepalese she's like he thinks you know yeah exactly I was like what does that mean but he the professor in university he's like you know there is this um, kind of tribe and group of Nepalese that live like on the northern border that um, have kind of ties to Mongolia and there's all this mix right so they actually mm-hmm. had these very kind of Korean very Eastern Asian features and they do look very much like me and I, I think I had my hair in braids or something like that too what? so he was like you look just like you know that kind of type of Nepalese from up north right. and I was like oh my god I'm like all of Asia right now. Yeah, everywhere you go, you're a local in Asia. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Like, I have a friend, she's um, ethnically Korean, but I think she met, like, an anthropologist once, and he's like, you are either Korean or Mongolian. Mm. Right? Just by her bone structure. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of connection there in, in history. Yeah. Did you end up finding if, out if you were Mongolian? <laughs> no, except for the sheer fact that I look like pretty much every, like everyone could have been my sister or brother. Like. I, I think you, I think you left and you're like, you know what? I could also be ne- Nepali. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Mongolian and wherever you travel. Yeah. If I go to the Philippines, no. everyone thinks I'm Filipino. <laughs> so I'm like, cool. I'm just, I'm like a chameleon when I'm in Asia. I love it. I, I'm, yeah, I, I get that a lot too when I go to Asia. Like, they just speak to me in whatever language it is there. And then when I can't respond, they're like, what? Yeah. What? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, and there's a lot wrong with me. <laughs> and, you know, I won't speak anymore on this, but just one last little bit is that, you know, of I've always, I think, like, for the, from a Western perspective, the only experience I've always had, especially traveling to, um, if I traveled to Latin America or like all throughout the West, like people always just like make this assumption, like Asian Chinese, right? So they're like, oh, yes. Chinese, Chinese, you know, and I came to really mm-hmm. cringe and hate that. Like I have like a almost visceral like reaction when people are like, oh, you Chinese or like Chinese. And I, <laughs> I don't know why, but it just irritates me. Right. And so. Right, right. I think, um, but when I was in Asia, like there were like so many Chinese people that thought I was Chinese. And then I was like, yes. oh, well, if you can't get it. 
I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I am shiny. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, I can't be so mad anymore, right? Like, oh, oh my god. Yeah. But, so it helped. Uh, it helped alleviate some of that anger that I had been holding on to. <laughs> that's funny. I love that. I I remember. I a similar thing happens to me. I guess it's just like yeah, Asian thing. But uh, I was walking on the streets in Vietnam and this random Viet guy who was like, I think he was with a white guy or something. And I think he was giving him like a tour of Vietnam. And I was walking with my friend and then I hear the Viet guy say to the white guy, the Viet guy's like Vietnamese local. He's not like Vietnamese American or anything. And he says to his white friend, oh, they're Chinese, like pointing at me and my friend. I'm Vietnamese. My friend's Korean. Right. (laughs) And then after. So he goes up to us, the Viet guy. He's like, sure, sure. Or something like that, right? Or or ni- no, no. He says ni-, ni hao. That's what oh, he says. Yeah. He goes up to his. He's like ni hao, and then I turn around. I'm like ni hao ma, sure sure ma, <laughs> right? And he's like, oh, I don't speak Chinese, and I was like, oh, me either. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, oh, what the fuck? And then he walked off. But you know, like I'm just kind of like. Yeah. Okay, like, you know, like, half of me is like, yeah, you know, maybe he was trying to be nice. But at the same time, like, why are you assuming neither of us are Chinese? We're, we're like, like, oh, I just, I almost wanted to reply to him in Vietnamese. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it was like, I, I hate that. I, I know what you mean when it's just like, I hate this shit. Like, y'all need to stop. But at the same time, it's just like, I get Chinese people speak Mandarin to me, like, all the time, too. Yeah. So, it's a thing it's a thing just like okay i just the the, the annoying thing about it is just like because i because both of our main languages um it's, it's english right? right and that's like the language we think in and i wish people would just speak to us in english like default like okay i know her i know she's thinking in english i'm gonna speak to her in english i just wish that was a default because it, it would just yeah it'd just be easier just because i'm not white doesn't mean i can't speak english y'all um, but you were saying earlier how you you lived in the UK. Could I ask, like, why did you you pick the UK specifically to to live in and work in? Um, well, I went there when I was. It was the first country. Um, England was the first country I'd ever traveled to solo. Um, when I was oh. sixteen years old. Um, I, oh my god! Yeah, I went there and I studied there for the summer, and so I kind of fell in love with it. And obviously, I then um, took and it it was. It was the, that trip in itself um, opened up for me what was the possibilities, right? So I grew up very, yeah, like I said, in a very small or like a very insular kind of neighborhood in, in California. And so I went from being this kid, um, I can say that now, I thought it was like full on fledged adult when I was like 16 <laughs> and knew so right. much, but um Mm-hmm. I went from thinking that I was gonna like live there forever and just like <laughs> never leave because California was mm-hmm. like the best in everything um and this whole world like literally the world opened up right and I realized that there was so much out there that um I really liked and wanted to see and so that was you know England for me and and the great thing about England and London at that age um was just that there was like such a mix of people right even to this day like London has over you know like 10,000 different nationalities that live within that um, city and so you get exposed to so much and that really showed me how little I actually knew (laughs) and um, that I really needed to see more and so I went back and I went there for 
um, I studied there for a year in college and then I um, and had traveled there quite often through work um, and you couldn't get enough yeah it was you know <laughs> yeah. it, I think it was just it for me it, it always felt like um, a special place I, I I truly believe through traveling I've come to realize that as much as like we have relationships and ties with like people Mm-hmm. you can have the same with like countries and places right so there's sometimes we'll go to a certain place and you'll just feel like I've been here before it feels like home or it's like it hits mm-hmm. you in such a great vibe you know that you're just like I'm never leaving or this you know and, and there's something about it from the minute that you get there that feels right and then sometimes you'll go to places and there's like such discord you're like I'm like get me out of here like what is this place right <laughs> um and so yeah I've definitely felt that yeah yeah so for me England and, and London was just always like that and it always feels like um yeah like it it was like I had been there like I you know had belonged there so um maybe I lived a past life there I don't know <laughs> but <laughs> I was just gonna say that it seems like your soul is like oh like maybe just recently your past life you you were uh what, what do you call people from London Londoner Londoner Londonite? yeah or Londoner. I mean I could have been the queen or like something like that so. <laughs> <laughs> the queen, she will never die she will um, never die for, i know she's living forever yeah like she's gonna outlive all of us yeah bless her <laughs> i mean good for her <laughs> exactly she's like i'm queen I wanted to... forever <laughs> i'm queen forever get in line for the next 300 years yeah like uh, <laughs> one thing i wanted to know I, i've always always curious because you know how like in the states and in canada like every time we meet someone from britain where i was like oh my god I love his accent. Mm-hmm. I love her accent. Yeah. I love your accent. So I was wondering, with you moving to London, did you kind of get that reverse reaction? Like, were they like, oh, I love your American accent? Or yes. were they just like, we're better? <laughs> oh, did you get it? I did. And I was like, I what? How would you like this? <laughs> First of all, you know, everyone goes like, I don't have an accent. <laughs> Right, right, like, right. you have the accent. <laughs> I speak normal. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> no, but I go, like, on dates or, like, I'd meet guys and they'd just mm-hmm. be like, mm-hmm. they'd be like, I love your American accent. And I was like, no, <laughs> cringe. <laughs> you have to be, no, they, they'd be like, I love your, your American, American accent. accent. Yeah. <laughs> like what in in my most american way what why what 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 are you talking about i like just just hearing you talk about how you're kind of like carving your own journey doing your own thing um like i know you started a travel blog recently yeah 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 so so like you are a writer and so i guess like the travel blog is the natural progression i would also love to hear like a book about you being mixed and your feelings on that. I think that would be really an interesting read uh, with all your perspectives and all the people you've met. But yeah, tell, tell me about your, your travel blog. Like, how's that going? Like, um, I, I, first of all, I'm going to say your layout on your travel blog looks great. Very, very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> spent um, a tremendous amount of time delete it or redoing the website so that uh, means actually a lot because um you know I think again I went through this whole like I had this way of the way it looked and 
Um, I thought it was very authentic and then it wasn't because what I was doing is I was trying to strive to be like other bloggers or um, and I think it like hit my subconscious and so then That's I was like, so meta right so then I had to like mm-hmm. freaking redo it and I just you know I ignored like anything that I'd ever seen before or whatever and just and it probably still looks like someone else's blog because it's like in my subconscious but whatever um I think for me it was you know 2020 for better for worse has been the year it was always going to be this was the year that I was going to do stuff like this anyway it just happened that um the world decided to freeze and um get funky on us that it you know um kind of either has helped me um be still so uh, because of the pandemic, there isn't much travel um, allowed for us. So, of course, for me, I feel less guilty kind of being sedentary and working on something like this because mm-hmm, totally. uh, otherwise in my head I would think uh, I'm going to, you know, I had like five different trips planned already, you know, for this year. And so uh, for all of that, uh, for all of yeah. that now, I'm just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to live through my past travels and this is a thing that I've said that I would always do and so you know if anything comes out of this I can't make any excuses like I can't do the I didn't have time for achieving this right like I'm just crossing this off the list so I kind of pushed myself through and did it and it's been great I think even um and for me being able to have a creative outlet you know so it's Mm-hmm. it's not so much that I wanted to monetize it or like become like an influencer or insta famous or anything like that I just wanted an outlet to like chronicle my journeys and see how that looks and feels and absolutely and I think what has manifested out of that too is that I also wanted to have it be a source or a way a platform for other travelers to share their stories so mm-hmm. you know like I asked you to be a guest blogger which was great and check that out yes <laughs> everyone everyone check that out and um you know and I ask other friends or people that I'll see like on Instagram and if they have an inst- interesting journey or something I'll ask them like do you want to write about it here because sometimes like you'll have great travels but you don't necessarily want a full-time blog right like you don't want to exactly exactly you have like one cool incident or whatever yeah like one cool story or one amazing journey and you don't want to like go Mm -hmm. full out on that but you still want a platform and I think for me you know the Mm -hmm. so the website's called going nowhere with a k so um and going nowhere today and, and the whole kind of intersection is between exploration and inspiration right so i i think i love it so many people travel because they want to be inspired or they or travel inspires them right it Mm -hmm. um i think travel serves as an incubator for life right so Mm. so when you live an everyday normal life like we're doing right now sometimes we don't get met with as many challenges right and it becomes very our days become elongated because they're the same with very routine things. We live a very routine mm-hmm. life. And so when you travel, that's all very disruptive, right? It's your routines are disrupted and you get 
faced with different things at a tremendous amount of speed that you normally don't face <laughs> on exactly in everyday life right so you get curveballs left and right so that's the incubator and you get you learn how to deal with different situations and different emotions and different um perspectives that you would never come across on your day-to-day and so I think that's what's amazing about travel and I think when I ask people to share about their journeys I think that's what I'm looking for it's like hey um, I love how travel can do that for other people and you know letting them talk about it and share it and then you just never know once you put something out there like that who it can impact or touch exactly 100% agree like I, I think that's the most beautiful thing about doing something creative whether it's like having a blog or like even um my podcast mm-hmm. which is like very new like I've had uh I I did the episode I think it's like episode six where I talk about growing up like Vietnamese Canadian and like I got someone from like Germany yeah. like a Vietnamese, a Vietnamese German guy messaged me and was like oh my god it's so crazy how similar it was for you to grow up Vietnamese Canadian and for me to grow up like Vietnamese German I was like what the wow. fuck yeah. yeah I was like this is incredible so I think that's such a a magical thing about it and we all have these experiences and before I travel to a new place if if I'm not being lazy I usually just type in like the name of that city and then I just read like 20 different blogs about Mm. that place like what people have to say and everyone has their own little like um, anecdote or like a little tip or like a hack Mm -hmm. or something so it's so I think it's 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 awesome that you're doing it and I think it's such a natural progression for you right you know being a writer and and being a traveler like a travel blog I think is obviously a (laughs) no-brainer Yeah, and I think I really have come to appreciate the people that have do it and do it well and have come before me and, and do things like that. And um, for me, it's just been such a great creative outlet. And honestly, it's it's gotten me to um, appreciate travel even more. It's kind of spiraled off into like a lot of different passions. So being able to like work on my photography and work on like. Uh, my website designing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um you know and just working on like some creative prints and artwork and things like that then it's it's such a departure from working and living in a corporate setting and it's it's a nice change also provided a lot of different opportunities that still tie me to travel and talking to travelers i think um, that's what I miss most is talking to other travelers and interacting with them. I love the stories that people have. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And and I know uh, you were telling me a little bit earlier how you are in the process or if you have become like a life coach. Could you t- share that with me yeah. and, and the process and, and where did that come from and, and everything? Through my work, I've always served as kind of like a mentor to people. And I and I and it just comes to me whether I want it or not that recently responsibility um and I saw this ad for becoming a life coach and I must have bookmarked it or something but then forgot as I always do um and then it kept coming back to me and it kept coming back to me and and this winter this yeah this winter I was um I was like bartending at a restaurant and just you know figuring out or thinking I was figuring out what to do with the rest of my life very dramatically mm-hmm. um, <laughs> existential crisis yeah like pretty much comes stems from not fucking doing this forever 
I meant that stage <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and honestly, like, I love bartending and I love waiting tables. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, if anything ever happens, I know I can always fall back on it. Um, but there's parts of it where you're like, I'm never, like, once you start doing it, you're like, I'm never doing this again. This is insane. <laughs> Yep, um, yep, that's, yep. Yeah, but, you know, that ad got served up to me again. And I, I started really researching it. And, and it, what I decided was that, listen, like, so the type of, there's lots of different coaches out there for anyone who doesn't know whether they're, like, health and wellness coaches or mindset coaches or, you know, uh, career coaches and things like that. So um, I guess where my path right now is that I'm just kind of, actually a life coach so I can touch on all those genres right whether you're struggling with your health your career or your um you know your mind wellness whatever that might be but basically it's more about you know I work with people that are going through change and transition and it can be in any domain of your life and it's more about um bringing about and understanding yourself and your tools to get through those changes no matter you know where they're coming from what that feeder is and so Mm -hmm. um I decided to take this step because one if it was it's to it would help me self-develop right so even if I got through this at the very end and never became an actual coach it still helps me develop as a human being um -hmm. so that was like an investment in myself I guess you could say Um, And then B, if I did decide to be a coach, then it'd be an opportunity to have an income generator and a job that wouldn't be tied to an office. A corporate slave? (laughs) Yes. um, (laughs) That I could shape and do. And so Mm -hmm. I think when I quit my job for the... So I quit to... I quit my big big job the one that I actually really loved and got me to London and Mm. all those things in travel um two year a little over two years ago and then I left it for um another job that was the big shiny job that was like uh paid double what I was making um I was Mm. actually running a travel company so I was like the president of the company and I was um dang nice yeah doing yeah right so big big shiny Mm -hmm. like it was yeah what you would think on paper you know it's it's the thing that makes your mom clap her hands together I'm very proud of you like your Asian mom yes like (laughs) she's done it she's quite you know running a company and making the big Mm -hmm. bucks um I lasted about eight months there I hated it so much oh no um and it was such a toxic um environment and it was, um, you know, it was, it's like a, a fable or a, the morality story, right? Because it's like all this money and I ended up spending more than I needed to. Like it just, it, and I was so physically ill from the stress and the toxicity of like the people that I worked with and and the whole environment that it just, I got to a point where I was like, nope, I, like none of this is what I'm here for right like Mm -hmm. none of this like I am Mm -hmm. I am out like I peaced out um which makes me sound like a a total like loser but (laughs) (laughs) 
I bounced like, out of there. Like, ooh, yeah. No, that was just, you know, I came, it was like clear as day that I got to this point and I had been doing it cyclically throughout my life where I have put up and, and done a lot of the stuff that I didn't like as you do like it's a normal thing um Mm -hmm. but I got to this point where I was just I really felt like I didn't need to do it anymore like I've learned my lessons I've paid my dues and I'm not gonna do it to the point where I become sick right or ill and it just exactly I don't know I just got like literally to this point in my life where I was just like I'm okay with it like I don't I don't need to try and Mm -hmm. please anyone and I'm very clear that making more money doesn't make me happier by at, at all you know so mm-hmm. yeah and I just kind of let that all go and decided that at that point I was like and you know what I'm also not gonna go look for another job or jump back into a grind that doesn't make sense right right that's unfulfilling and like it's gonna stress you out yeah I was like isn't it more important to figure out what I actually want to do or should be doing and and define Mm -hmm. and take a moment to design my life um exactly so I've in in my kind of point of view I paid my dues in living the life that was designed by others right and I've done that um and I've learned a lot from that but from this point on I'm doing it my way and I'm gonna live the life that I design and and set up kind of my values and the way I want it and so yeah, with coaching, it allows me to um, be my own boss and and to be a resource for others, right? To help them through things and kind of fulfilling in that way for me. So it's been interesting. I think when you travel, you meet so many people that um, mm. are looking for themselves, are searching for answers. <laughs> slowly raise his hand yeah <laughs> finding purpose oh god <laughs> the meaning of life all of oh those my. <laughs> um and mm-hmm. and definitely travel is an amazing vehicle to try and be on that journey for um but at the end of the day it's about coming to terms with yourself right and you can do that from the comforts of your home or wherever you are it doesn't it's not your physical Mm -hmm. location right because it was I've also found that like you know I was like in Thailand and um you know on this beautiful beach uh and some of the people I met there were just so freaking miserable (laughs) you know (laughs) there are these nomads and they're like I'm so sick of being in Thailand and like, I've been here for three years. <laughs> Nothing's happening. I still haven't found myself and, you know, mm. and all these things. And it's like, you're, you know, this, this, I don't know, wanting to force like a location or a lifestyle or something to be the answer and, and fill in all these, you know, blank spots for people. And it's, it's not that. So what I found is that you know, it's, it's a lot of self-work and, you know, you can do that mm-hmm. from anywhere. And I realized that, you know, by becoming a coach or learning how to help people manage that journey um, was mm. something I wanted to know how to do. So it was like something I've always done, but like I 
didn't know how to formally do it, I guess. And so that's why I've chosen coaching. And I think the value, you know, I'm, I feel drawn to like help young girls. I've met, you know, girls Mm -hmm. in like the, the high school girls that I've like taught in Nepal or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, someone that's just starting out in the career in their career in their world or, or, and then, you know, you meet people that are, that, that have lived a life, but then suddenly are kind of where I was. And it's just like, Oh, this isn't actually what I wanted. Like I want something else, you know? And so there's always change and mm-hmm. flux. And I think um, that's what drew me to coaching is to be able to be able to help people on that journey and, and do it well. And, God, I thought it was one thing and then I found out it, you know, it really is another. <laughs> it, it keeps evolving. <laughs> yeah, because I think where I thought and, you know, our natural inclination as humans is to say, like, when you're helping someone that's in crisis or in change, we are so in the mode of being like, well, I think this is what you should do, right? Like, I think. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's one thing. And that's more of like what a a, co- a a mentor or a consultant would do, right? Is that someone professional that would give you advice on something, like their professional opinion on something, right? Whereas a coach, mm-hmm. a coach is someone who is there by your side who helps you find your answers, right? So you as a client. Yeah, you're not following like, a, a, you're not subscribing to like this manual, like, it's just yeah it's different yeah and it's like the ant it's crazy because you don't really see it for what it is but you have all of your own answers most of the time Mm. it just takes time to do it and sometimes you need a coach to expedite that process right so you know you'll see like you know Buddhist monks that go sit in a mountain somewhere and ask a certain question over and over again until they get an answer and see see the light or see themselves right and some of us just don't have mm-hmm. that kind of time <laughs> yeah, no. this this is the this sitting on the mountain prime yeah is what a life coach exactly is. you know you got the amazon prime you, you got the life coach prime yeah you can kind of fast forward sometimes if you need to exactly yeah. exactly yeah, and yeah. get to where you need to so you can really do what you want yeah and i've learned so much from doing it only because when i see it all evolve and as i work with clients um it you know, it's it's hard to believe, but it is so true. And I've and I've been coached and have had the same experience. And sometimes the answers that come out of me is just like, where where did that come from? Like, how come I didn't know that before? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and so that's the unique experience is that um, everyone has that. It just you know, for some, it takes some work, but um, but it is really cool and exciting when people are able to have that experience because at the end of the day it's about you know you shouldn't have a coach forever it's, it's you start to learn that you can do this on your own right and um, just being able to kind of help people to get to that juncture is um, something that I'm looking forward to and no yeah. I, I yeah I think it's it's great and I think that like for someone to be a life coach 
I think you're like the perfect person. You know, you have you've gone through so much. You've lived in different parts of the world. You're culturally sensitive. You're mixed, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. So like, you get all these like curveballs like thrown at you. You know, in life and all these new experiences. So I think you would be able to connect to so many different people based on your experience and your understanding. So I think that's that's so cool that you're you're doing this, Sandy. It's freaking awesome. Thanks, and it's it's I. I appreciate you saying that because I, I definitely come at it with like zero judgments of what people bring to their sessions mm-hmm. and, and their lives. And, and so that's like these narratives that we're fed all the time of like what it should look like or how it should like unfold. Right. Um, right. In a very, the social script. Yeah. Like if your Instagram story perfect, then it's not like, mm-hmm. Hey, I had a baby out of wedlock, you know? um but who cares right like it's 2020 Mm -hmm. let's get over it and what I've seen is that everyone their biggest struggle is that they are caught up in the narrative of Mm -hmm. what they're supposed to be doing I think choosing the path of a life coach is again I feel like something that's a very natural progression for you so I'm really glad you're you're on that track would you like to plug your travel blog again and where people can find you sure so you can visit my travel blog. It's called Going Nowhere, uh, K N O W H E. I will link it in the the bio. Yeah. Yes. So, know as in know what you want out of life type of know. Um, but going nowhere dot mm-hmm. today and yeah, check it out there. And if anyone also is um, interested in coaching um or being coached i guess as well or have any questions about it um feel free to contact me you can contact me there as well as i work on my coaching website that's um but yeah you know you can do a free discovery call and just figure out like if it's good for you i think um it's you know september is self-awareness self-care self-care month oh, um, nice. and I think we've all come to learn this month how important it is to take care of ourselves um, and and be aware of uh, taking the time to make sure that we're um, you know addressing all those things and taking care of our mental health and and all the things our stresses and our physical health so that's really important and yeah so you can find me there. Great. Thank you, Sandy, so much for coming on and for catching up with me. You're such a wealth of knowledge and experience. And I and I think it's I'm so grateful that I have you here, like sharing your whole process and, and getting and getting pretty deep on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Too deep. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, I I love it. It's like it's like my bread and butter, you know, identity, travel, <laughs> yeah, I know. like yeah, I love this shit. I live for this. So, no, it's great. Yeah. Um All right. But thank you so much. I appreciate it and I enjoyed every minute of it. Oh no. Yeah, me too. Like uh thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Fast the Pussy podcast. Thank you to my guest Sandy for being on. I'll link all our information below. See you on the next episode. Bye. Fast the Poutine. Fast the Poutine.